Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Missourian Basketball Podcast. My name is Reed Catellis, and I'm joined again by my partners, David Sack and Connor Worley. You are listening to Episode 5, and we're going to be taking a glance at the past two games against Texas A&M and Arkansas. And a little bit later, we will, we will take a look at a very tough week ahead for the Missouri Tigers. But first, let's, let's kick this off with our quote of the week. Uh, our quote this week comes from Ronnie Suggs, who's playing more and more minutes these days. Uh, here it is. Oh, yeah, I mean, Mark's, Mark's Mark. I mean, we're going to live and die his three-point shooting. He can shoot better than anybody, I feel like, in the country, so we're going to let him keep shooting. Uh, he was big for us. He kept us in the game with his offense. Um, but, I mean, once again, 24 turnovers. I don't care how good we're shooting. We still got to limit that. Yeah, so that was Ronnie Suggs from the bowels of Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was a bleak tone after that Arkansas game, but we'll talk more about that later. But for now, let's move on to our trivia question. Our question is, who has the most field goals in Missouri basketball history? Not the most points, but the most field goals. So we'll circle back to that at the end of the podcast. But uh, let's start off by just going over the past week. So on Saturday, Missouri absolutely dominated Texas A&M. It was a defensive masterpiece. They only allowed 43 points, which was a season low for the Tigers. But then on the heels of that very encouraging win, Missouri dropped an especially painful loss on Wednesday to Arkansas. What did you guys see? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I think you saw the some good and some bad, to say the least. The mm-hmm. Saturday performance against Texas A&M was, that's how the Tigers are going to win, like we were talking about before we started here, you know, that's it's their defense has to carry them. They're just not going to be an offensive juggernaut. There's no way for that to happen. The Arkansas game, I mean, look, they imploded. You can't lose a game you led 17 to 4. No. You can't turn the ball over 24 times. In that AM game, like you said, defense was a big point. They're a AM's highest leading scorer had 12 points, and that's that's great to limit a team to that. As far as the Arkansas game, also. Uh, just beating the same drum every single week. Mm. Tillman's fouls. He's fouling out in the game with like three minutes left. Um, even though they blew that early lead in the game, they still were, it was like 69-72 with three minutes left, and they still had a chance to go on a run and take the lead, but obviously went the other way, and Arkansas was able to pull off like a 12-1 like to run or something. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, and this is amazing to me that Missouri held Texas A&M on Saturday to 26% shooting from the field. And it was just a dominant performance throughout. It was over by halftime. Texas A&M had their walk-ons with 10 minutes left in the game, and the game was just over. And then a few days later on Wednesday, about 10 minutes in, you guys said that they were leading 17-4, and really all I could think when we were in Fayetteville was, this is the exact same game we saw them play against A&M. And they're following the formula. They finally found it. They need to start with defense and get stops, and that leads to transition buckets, and that's how they can get leads and win these games. And then 10 minutes in, Arkansas just turned the pressure up to 10 and, and implemented their full-court press, and that immediately led to turnovers. And Missouri finished with 24 turnovers against Arkansas, their most since committing 25 at Iowa State in November. Yeah. And they really just fell apart. Like you said, at the end of the game, Tillman fouled out. They lost Mark Smith and Javon Pickett both to injuries. We don't know how serious yet. I don't. We, we're not going to speculate, but they don't appear to be serious, but... If they if they lose either of those two guys, that's trouble down the road. Yeah, I, I want to respond to what you said about uh, how it seemed like they found the formula. Yeah. In that in the beginning of the game against Arkansas, and they you know obviously the entire game against Texas A uh, and M. What I think it is is I think they found the formula to beat Billy Kennedy's team. You know, a, a team that quite frankly just doesn't have much offensive <laughs> firepower. But with Arkansas, who has Daniel Gafford and Manning to paint 
who attracts and demands so much attention. And then you have, they can spread the floor with their shooters. I mean, Isaiah Joe, I mean, you know, Reed, you wrote extensively yeah. about him in your game story. I mean, he was absolutely tremendous. He couldn't miss. Uh, yeah, yeah, 7 of 12 from the three-point line. Uh, you know, Arkansas is better than Texas A&M. There's kind Definitely. of no way to skirt around it. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think Missouri hasn't yet found the formula. You know, you're not going to hold a team like Arkansas to 43 points. It's mm-hmm. just not realistic. And especially when Missouri fans are used to seeing Mike Anderson's schemes. Right. And I just don't think Mizzou has the athletes to keep up with Arkansas's motion offense, constantly moving the ball around and getting looks inside and out. And then the full court press that they put on on defense, like Mizzou just doesn't have the athletes to counterbalance that. Mm-hmm. And you could make the argument that the past week, that loss to A&M, and the, I mean, the, the win at A&M and the loss to Arkansas kind of is a microcosm of the season as a whole for the Tigers because, I mean, they went 6-0 in December, but how impressive were those wins? You know, they beat UCF, which was one of the better wins of the season. Then they beat UT Arlington, Oral Roberts, Xavier, Illinois, and Moorhead State. Those are, I mean, wins are wins, but those are not especially impactful wins. And yeah. listen, Texas A&M is 120 in net rating, and Arkansas is 80th. So this is a team that can go get wins against the bad teams, but when it plays teams of similar caliber, we saw this against South Carolina and Alabama, it's just going to have a hard time. Yeah, that 6-0 stretch in December was all against Group 3 teams with the exception of Xavier, right. who they beat, or, or rather not Xavier, I'm sorry, uh, with the exception of Central Florida, yeah. uh, who they beat in overtime, and it took that you know ridiculous Jordan mm-hmm. Geist buzzer beater to even get there. So, you know, you're not going to find a lot of Group 3 games in the SEC and the Tigers. Yeah. Now, I want to pose a question to you. Too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think that scheduling a tougher non-conference, uh, scheduling t- tougher non-conference opponents, would have benefited this team right now in, in the coming months? Because I think maybe playing with the two mm-hmm. Arlingtons of the world yeah. isn't necessarily helping them against good conference competition. It's tough for me to say. It's I'm generally a proponent of playing a tough schedule and building experience, but. This is a young team that's learning, and guys like Javon Pickett and Torrance Watson, you know, these guys, they could use a lesson on, you know, UT Arlington, quite frankly. Um, You know, they're learning the game, but uh, in general, I certainly agree with you. I mean, I think if you're an NCAA tournament team, absolutely play the toughest schedule you can, get experience playing good teams, because that's who you play in March. I would absolutely agree and say yes, that playing tougher teams in non-conference would benefit them, because... I mean, if you're a team that's pushing the NCAA bubble and you want to make the tournament, you want as many wins as you want. And Missouri piled them up in December, but uh, this is not a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. And I think, I mean, I, you could you could argue how benefit how helpful that game at Iowa State was when they got blown out. But I think if you're playing tougher teams and, like you said, the young guys Javon uh, Pinson and Torrance Watson. Playing against those kind of teams is going to help you more than playing against UT Arlington or Oral Roberts, in my opinion. So I, 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 would, I would say yes. So regardless, the Tigers are now 1-4 <laughs> in conference play, and it's not the start they wanted, probably not the start they envisioned. I mean, they're in a sizable hole now. Where, where, what do you guys think? Where, where do these two losses leave them in SEC play? I think it just pushes them to the bottom, and I think that's where they're going to stay for most of the year. I mean, they've got... As we'll talk about in a little bit, they got LSU and Auburn coming up. And I can't really imagine a scenario where they escape with a win against either of those teams. Mm-hmm. So unless some when we get into February and something just drastically changes and things start clicking, I just imagine they're going to be uh, basement dwellers for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much how I feel about it. 
I mean, I think um, coming in off the 6-0 December, maybe we were thinking that Missouri was part of this giant middle of the SEC. Right. Yeah. I think at this point we can say they're not there. They're not at in, least in the bottom tier of that middle tier. Yeah, I mean if there's if there's if there's a tier that's in the middle <laughs> that's below, you know, the ranked teams, Missouri ain't in it. Just an aside, I think it's kind of it's kind of funny that before the I mean before SEC plays, sorry, we analyze the SEC as if we could just assume that this conference could be broken down into tiers because clearly this conference is a mess and no one knows who's good yeah. except for Tennessee. And even Tennessee had to go to overtime to be a Vanderbilt on they had to go Wednesday to, night. They had to go to overtime. They need Grant Williams to shoot 23 of 23 from the free throw line and basically take over the game. Scored 40-plus points, right? Uh, What did he have, 43? Something like that. I mean, you know, anyone can lose on the road in this conference. Right. Period. Uh, so let's go ahead and move over, move on to our stud and dud from the past week. Our stud was a pretty easy choice. It's going to be Mark Smith, a sophomore transfer. Uh, Mark Smith had an okay game in the A&M win. He scored 13 points on 5 of 9 shooting, 3 of 7 from the arc. He was pretty good. But really, he's getting this award because of what he did against Arkansas. It came to a losing effort, but... Really, when in the second half when Missouri was slipping away and they couldn't find any semblance of, of an offense, he was he was keeping their heads above water. He, in that game, he shot six of eleven from three, eight of fourteen from the field, twenty-two points, along with seven rebounds. And it was kind of cool to watch because in that second half, it was really a duel between him and Isaiah Joe. And frankly, I mean, fittingly, those are the, Smith and Joe are one and two in the SEC in three-point percentage. And so to see them trading threes like that as the game was going down to the wire. It was pretty cool to watch. But what do you guys think of Smith? Um, obviously, yeah, he had a great game against Arkansas. He was the only person to score double digits for the Tigers, and he's got 22 at that. So I think along with guys, he's been the most reliable option for the Tigers this year. And uh, the injury definitely leaves some concerns going forward. It'll be interesting to see how they monitor that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Conzo said after the game yesterday that he thinks – I want to emphasize that he thinks it's a sprained ankle. Um, all I can say is that if it is, you know, I mean, any games that he misses, you know, Missouri is just simply not expected to win no matter who they're playing yeah. on the SEC. That includes Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, he is everything to their yeah, offense. Yeah, they, they just can't replace that offensive production. Not at all. No. Not in the slightest. And really, we kind of talked about this before, but – Mark Smith should be a guy you design your offense around, but if we're being honest, Missouri doesn't really have an offense that has a lot of design to it. It feels like the times when Mark Smith gets the ball open behind the arc is when things just go when the, when they go chaotic and things break down and the ball is going everywhere. And then Mark Smith is open, hit him, and he hits a three. And that's kind of what was happening in the Arkansas game. So if he's out and things break down from Missouri offense, what are they going to do? It's going to be pretty awful. For yeah, them. I think it's been few and far between this year where Missouri has gotten to the half-court set, run a play, and it's gotten someone open and yeah. it's led to a basket. I, it's hard to remember like any specific examples. Yeah, I mean, this is a qualm I've always had with Conzo Martin, even you know going back to when I followed him when he was at Cal uh, in Tennessee, you know, watching his teams play on TV. I mean, they don't run plays nearly often enough on offense, you know, you have a shooter in Mark Smith. This guy is the best shooter in the SEC. And they don't really seem to run many plays for him. You know, set off the ball screens, get him open, you know, make him the focal point of your offense. And I'm going to go out on a whim here. This might seem a little weird, but 
I mean, the best offense, the best basketball offense I've ever seen in my life is the Golden State Warriors. And they have Klay Thompson, who is far and away an amazing shooter. You look at him, he's moving around constantly. They're setting screens for him. He's coming around, he's curling around screens. He's always yeah. trying to get open. That's just not happening on Missouri. I'm not saying Missouri should try to run <laughs> Golden State's offense. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but there needs to be movement outside of Jordan guys dribbling the ball around to get these guys open. No question. For the first time, we're going to do an honorable mention for our stud, and that's going to go to Ronnie Suggs. That might be a little bit unexpected because Ronnie Suggs has scored a total of 11 points this season. But he's he's going to be our stud because after playing one minute in each of the Tennessee and South Carolina games, three minutes in the Alabama game, he played 18 minutes in the A&M game and 12 minutes in the Arkansas game. This is a guy that's making his way into the rotation, and it's clearly because of his athleticism and his defense. And I don't know, he's, he really lacks on the offensive end, obviously, but what do you, I, I've been impressed with him. What do you guys think? Well, I think, you know, part of what Conzo likes about him on offense, uh, as long as he's not shooting, at least he shouldn't hurt the team on <laughs> offense. Um, and then, I mean, on defense, you know, he, he's bringing the athleticism and defense. I mean, like you said, you know, I mean, that's why Conzo likes him. Um and, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays going forward. I mean, he's starting to get some favor over Pinson, although, you know, Pinson played 21 minutes last night. So, you know, it's just kind of hard to get a grasp on Konzo's rotation at this point. Yeah. I'm all about having a guard on your team that's a defensive specialist. And mm-hmm. I think it's a great story that Suggs is getting more and more minutes because going into the season, I don't think anyone had any expectations for him at no, all. No, not at all. Uh, but on this team specifically, I don't think they really need a defensive specialist. Even though Pinson's had some bad moments with a lot of bad turnovers, I'd much rather just give go ahead and give the minutes to the guy that could get you maybe some offensive production. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Xavier Pinson, he is going to be our dud of the week. Um, it might seem kind of harsh because he played okay against Arkansas, but he was held out of the AM game completely, didn't even make his way onto the court. We... Assume that's because of turnover issues. He really has a problem turning the ball over when he's on the court. He did make his way back onto the court against Arkansas. He scored eight points on two of four shooting with two rebounds and two assists, which isn't bad, but he turned the ball over four times in 21 minutes. And he came back on the court and did exactly what did exactly what Conzo held him off the court for doing previously, if that makes sense. What do you what did you guys see? Um, I think also part of it, along with the turnovers, uh, just kind of in conjunction, is uh, the coaching staff wanting to temper his flashy passes. Absolutely. For like as great and exhilarating as they can be, like David, you mentioned earlier about his behind the back pass straight to the Arkansas yeah. defender. There are times where it's just like totally uncalled for, inexplicable, and he just needs to like calm down with that a little bit. So that could be this could be a temporary benching and just like helping yeah. a freshman go like get through his motions and then. Maybe he'll come out the other side better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Pinson needs to understand his role a little better. Um, you know, he's not at Simeon High School. He's not, you know, one of the best players in school history manning the point guard. He is a backup point guard. His job is to come in the game and not hurt the team, you know. And, and with, you know, four turnovers and 21 minutes off the bench, you, you simply can't have that from your backup point guard. It's the second time this year that he's had four turnovers. You, you just can't have that. Mm-hmm. And really, I think he should be looking towards his freshman classmate, Javon Pickett, because like you just said, if you're a freshman who's coming in, you should be looking to do all the right things. You really shouldn't be trying to impress. You shouldn't be trying to look flashy. And you should just be doing smart things on the court. And that's what Javon Pickett has done. That's why he's been in the starting lineup every single game this year. And that's 
Xavier Pinson's done the opposite at times. Obviously, I'm very high on him going forward. I think he has a bright future at Missouri, but he really needs to tone down the flashiness because, I mean, that behind the back pass, behind the back pass against Arkansas was just ridiculous. It went right to an Arkansas player. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Conzo's not going to tolerate any of that. No, there's just no question. So let's go ahead and take a quick look over the next week. Um, on Saturday, on Saturday, the Tigers will will host number 25 LSU Tigers. Uh, that'll be the first ranked opponent since getting beat by Tennessee on January 8th. And then the Tigers will go to number 16, Arkansas, on Wednesday, another matchup with a ranked opponent. Can Missouri be expected to win either of these games? I mean, uh, expected, no. Kind Abs- of shaking his head. Ab- <laughs> <laughs> expected, absolutely not. Um, but, I mean, I think they've got a slim chance of beating LSU. I mean, you know. Just because it's, it's at home. Yeah, like we said in this conference, you know, it's tough to win on the road, and that goes both ways. Um, but on the road at Auburn, I can't see. And I mean, LSU is going to be extremely tough because I think LSU is underrated. I think LSU is the second best team in this conference. I really, wow. really like their team. Tremont Waters is a prime time player. And, uh, Missouri got to make, has to make sure, uh, not to get into a shootout with these guys. If they get into a shootout, forget about it because they'll lose that shootout. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU's only road loss this year was at number 24, Houston. Right. So I don't playing on the roads really at this point in the season not a big struggle for them. So I yeah. don't even know how much home home court advantage is going to take into this game. Yeah, yeah. LSU is currently on an eight game win streak, and that includes a road win at uh, then number eighteen Ole Miss. So, and let's not act like Mizzou is a crazy raucous environment to play in. So I don't I don't expect LSU to have a lot of trouble with Missouri, but we've seen we've seen Missouri surprise before. But it's going to be a tough week. And especially if the coaching staff decides to keep Smith out of the game. Right. Just, I mean, you can't rule out. There's, they, there's no way they can beat a ranked team without Mark Smith. I'll, I'll, I'll go on record saying that right now. Mm. So if they drop both of these games, which I think all three of us kind of expect to happen, is there any chance of the postseason? At that point, they, they would be 1-6 in the SEC. It's tough because in making, you know, if you're trying to make the NIT – these aren't bad losses, LSU and Auburn. You know, you're, you're an NIT team. You're not expected to be a ranked team in any court. But the problem is, like you said, you know, the record's becoming a problem. You yeah. know, you, you can't have a losing record to go to the NIT. You won't get in. Forget the non-conference. Right. And just the conference record, you know, if they lose both these games, they're 1-6 in conference. It'd be very, very tough for them to climb out of that to get into the NIT. I think that they're going to have to find a way – uh, to beat LSU, or it's going to be an uphill battle for them. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, it seems like the NCAA berth is like outside of a miraculous run in the conference tournament. Uh, that's yeah, completely out of the question. Yeah. And David, like you mentioned, NIT is their best bet, but they're going to have to pick up some quality wins, and I think they're going to have, definitely have to get a few on the road. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, well, let's finish off with our trivia question we asked who has the most field goals in missouri history the answer is doug smith who played at missouri from 1988 to 91. doug smith is second in scoring in missouri history but he's first in field goals so we thought that would trip you up uh yeah we're gonna go ahead and sign off i look forward to our coverage of the lsu and auburn games over the next week thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back friday